Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... It's so much more than just a profile picture. At Catholic Singles, our platform offers you many opportunities to get to know the person behind the picture. Sign up today at catholicsingles.com. Good News Ministries of GNM.org. It's the Catholic place for growing your faith. Good News Ministries will provide you with faith-building reflections, virtual retreats, prayer resources, and lots more. All of it is free. Visit gnm.org today. By definition, a storyteller conveys events in words, images, and sounds, often by improvisation or embellishment. The Living Bread Radio Network presents The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi. Today you'll hear a faith-based, inspirational story that's both heartfelt and heartwarming. And now, let's meet today's storyteller with Tony Agnesi. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. Each week on the show, we feature a guest with a unique and inspiring story to tell. The Storytellers is brought to you in part by CatholicBook.net. And all of the books featured on the program are available there online at catholicbook.net. Our program can also be heard immediately following the broadcast via podcast at thestorytellersradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, and many, many others. My guest today is Catherine Whitaker. Catherine is a Catholic author, blogger, speaker, and a freelance graphic designer. Her book is entitled Live Big, Love Bigger, Getting Real with Barbecue, Sweet Tea, and a Whole Lot of Jesus. Catherine, it's great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you are, you are blogging. You've been blogging a long time. How did you how did you get into the blogging business? And did that is that what led you to taking the blog uh, bigger and and uh, turning it into into books? Well, I came into it by accident. A girlfriend of mine told me you should blog about that. I got a little nervous because I was worried about other people reading it besides those that were related to me. But mm-hmm. I started just kind of writing about life, and then. I don't know, maybe 18 months into having the blog, our fifth child was born, and he was born premature, and that became a really important cathartic outlet for me to kind of write through what we were dealing with and what was coming. And then God sometimes opens doors, and sometimes he asks us to walk through them, and he was asking me to continue to share, and one thing led to another, and here we are. Mm-hmm. It, w- it was almost like you were journaling then about uh, all of the various aspects of uh, of uh, raising uh, the, uh, not only a, a child that was prematurely born, but five at a time there? <laughs> well, I was coming home at night, so we would get home from the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit. So we would get home every night about 11, and so I would sit down. I always say that's when I'm most honest, is at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I would just share the hard parts of the day, the good parts of the day. People were asking how can we pray for you, but also what's really going on with your family and how are you handling all that? And so that was really my prayer time. I'm a, I love to write. I've always loved it. And that's when I felt close to God. And I thought, well, through this most difficult part of my life, I have to find some way to speak to him. And that was really, even though it helped other people, it was really 
it was really my conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And I know that, uh, you know, the, the program's called The Storytellers, and uh, that's the title of, uh, of all of my books have the word The Storyteller in it. And mm-hmm. it just seems that people warm up to stories. They want authenticity, I guess is the right word. And, and all of your writing just comes from an authentic, you know, part of your heart. It's just uh, you don't try to sugarcoat, uh, but you 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 know you're you're real, and I think that becomes very appealing to someone reading. That that you know, even though uh, even though they may have some challenges in their lives, uh, we all have uh, challenges in our life. Would, would, do you do you agree with that? Do you feel that that uh, your blogging in this kind of manner, where you kind of kind of let it, things out, that authenticity is what what caused people to be attracted to it. Well, I think I mean nobody wants to be preached to. I was fortunate enough to grow up as the daughter of a school teacher, and my mom was really good at. She taught Texas history, and so she was great about telling stories of her students and making things come alive, and modeled that in our home. And so I guess I just learned that you have to kind of meet people where they are, and when you try to. When you try to something that you're not, or when you try to pretend that you're maybe experiencing something on a higher level than someone else when you're not really, mm-hmm. people can sniff that out. And I'm a bad liar, <laughs> so I figure <laughs> it's easier to just tell the truth yeah. and let people know that you're struggling with the same things that, that they're struggling with, and maybe you're walking through it the same way they are, or maybe you're not. But I think the more honest that we are with people about what we're going through, the better friends we can be to the people that we have. And the more authentic our real relationship and life no, cross can be, instead of just making it one long scripture passage. Sometimes scripture really speaks to us at the, you know, in the deepest parts of our heart and allows us to experience God, and I think you just have to be real with Him. I mean, He already knows who you are, so you might as well be honest with Him and with the people in your life. At I think that's what I, oh, that's I, what I do. Oh boy, I think I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I know a lot of times when I when I give talks at parishes or conferences and so forth, uh, um, they look at me. I don't know if they're expecting something more saintly than me, but <laughs> if they find out I'm just a normal goofball, just like their husband or whatever, and uh, right. and uh, we're all trying, uh, striving for sainthood, but um, but there's just something about being. I guess open and transparent and honest, and uh, that's what I find in your writing is that uh, is that what you see is uh, is what's really going on. And uh, pretty much, I'm a Southie Southerner. I say I'm from sixth generation Texan, and so we just learned to tell the truth down here. So mm-hmm. that's what I do when I write. It's the same. It's the same gal that you get if you're sitting here visiting with me over my sweet tea, or whether you know whether you're reading it in my book. It's who I am. I try to be. You talked a little bit uh, in in one of the pieces I read uh, uh, about learning to say no. This is, uh, you know, I, 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 I've got this saying, no is a good answer. You know, there's a, a, the answers that sometimes uh, we're afraid to give is a no answer. How did you come to learn to occasionally you have to say no to certain things because uh, uh, it, it's getting in the way of other more important uh, things? Well, because I said yes too much. <laughs> we were really kind of drowning. We just had our sixth baby, and I just sort of felt like I should know what I'm doing. This is my sixth baby. This is not new to us. But we sort of got in too deep. Not sort of. We really got in too deep. We said yes to a lot of really great things, but we were saying yes to them all and not saying no to anything. And so we just stripped it all down. We took away all the yeses and said no to everything so that we could take really kind of a family six-month moratorium on all the things that we were doing and kind of reassess 
what are we doing, how do we get here, and then how do we find intention and purpose, and how do we come back a better, stronger family and saying yes to the right things? Because mm-hmm. I think our challenge right now in this world that has so many great opportunities to say yes to all these things is that we're bombarded with a lot of really, really good choices, and we feel guilty when we say no. Instead of saying, that's a hell yes, like I really want to do that, so I'm going to say yes to that, and my yes is going to mean I'm all in, instead of saying yes to 15 things and sort of being present to some of them. It's just, it, it weighs on you as a family, and it weighs on you as a person. And I think it was when we said yes to all those things that we realized that wasn't what God was asking of us. He was asking us to really, he was asking us to be present to important things that only our family could do and let the knows it's okay to say no. Someone else will do it, or sometimes it doesn't get done, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We forget that. I'm sure your thoughts there resonate with a lot of people who are listening in. They certainly resonate with me, and there have been two or three times in in, uh, in my adult life when I had to say, uh, boy, I've just got to clean the deck here. You know, you can only, you know, I, I would be on six boards, uh, six uh, <laughs> uh, charity boards, and it was like I'm not doing a, a, a service to any of them, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm doing a, a partial job to all of them. Wouldn't it be better to pick one, you know, and really uh, uh, give myself to it? And so... Um, uh, uh, oftentimes, in, in this in this concept that we have a difficult time, you know, saying no. The the other thing I found out about church things is you you say yes to something at church and and it'll be your responsibility for the rest of your life. So you got to be real careful. You know, I'll be I'll be in charge of the spaghetti dinner. Well, you'll you'll be doing the twenty fifth one as well. And uh, so you know, yeah. we had a pastor one time, and his rule was. You could only be the ministry lead for three years, and mm-hmm. after three years, we had to turn it over to someone else, because he said, I don't want it to become Catherine's Vacation Bible School or Catherine's Confirmation Class, mm-hmm. and it gives other people an opportunity to lead, because he said sometimes people come into ministry and say, oh, that's so-and-so's ministry, and they never volunteer, they never become a part of it, because they never feel like they'll be the ones to lead it, and mm-hmm. ultimately what ends up happening is when they never volunteer in the church at all. And I really, I took that to heart. I mean, we... We took that to heart in our family of, have we been doing this? Have we been leading this too much? And is it time to turn it over to someone else? And that was a lesson that really didn't just affect us in church work, but in really all phases of our life. I love that Father Sam taught us that lesson early on in our marriage. He's a wise, he's a wise man to, to, yes, he to, is. to know that, because that, that is not what happens most often. Uh, yeah. um, you, you talk a lot about leading a more intentional life explain define that for our listeners and, and talk a little bit about leading a a life with more of, of an intentional uh, focus well i think we lead lives of obligation i think we feel obligated to do certain things instead of sitting down with our spouses um, or the people close to us in our life or our children and saying what is it that you feel called to do what is it god is asking of you where are your natural gifts and abilities, and then letting your yeses be outgrowth of that emphasis or that area that God is asking you to grow in. And I think it's when you start asking yourself the questions of, why are we in this activity? What is God asking us? How is He asking us to grow? Some of those kinds of questions, then you can start to figure out what what makes most sense in your life. And I think that's when you develop, you know, some people have a family mission statement, or some people have sort of a specific area that they focus on in their family, a family motto, whatever it is, I think that helps you, just like in a company, they'll sit down and say, what's our mission? So what's your mission as a family? What's your mission? What's your vocation? And then how do you let all the things you say yes to be an outgrowth of that? So I think living a life of intention is being very purposeful and saying, 
is this activity leading me closer to Christ, or am I doing it because I felt obligated, because I felt pressured, or because I just felt like I couldn't say no? And for us, those have been really key questions as we sort of discerned with our—so we have six children. So how do we help them discern what God wants of them? As a matter of fact, when we were at Mass today, the priest even said that. He said, God's will for your life is the only thing that will truly make you happy. I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what he said, and it really stuck with me. It's really beautiful. Catherine Whitaker is my guest. Her book is Live Big, Love Bigger. It's published by Ave Maria Press. It's available where all good Catholic books are sold and certainly at our sponsor, CatholicBook.net. For the people that just heard you and say, what a great idea, but Catherine, uh, where, do, where do I even start with my spouse or where do I start with my family? How did, how did you get started down the line of, of really being, being able to define what your mission was and leading a more intentional life? How'd you get started? That's a good that's a good question. You know, so we I mean, it got started because we had a preemie and God forced us to ask the hard questions. I'm not advocating that everyone has a preemie. I'm not sure that's the best way to do it. But we got overwhelmed and so then we were sort of desperation leads to change. But I think for us, a good friend of ours started this with her spouse and we've done it a few times and I've really loved it when we do it. She calls them dream dates. And they just go out on a date. They grab a beer, they sit down, and they say, okay, let's look at what are our goals in our spiritual life? What are they in our physical life? What are they in our emotional, psychological, whatever? And they go through every single family member, and how can they grow? How can we help them lead? And so it's sort of attainable goals that kind of start out in January, then they have a check-in in the summer, and then at the end of the year, obviously, assess and say, how do we grow? What do we do? How, how, did, how did it all work? And I love that that conversation is simple. Anyone can do it. It doesn't require money. It doesn't require a book. You just sit down and say, what are the goals for the year? And you look in all the areas and things that you're concerned about or things that you're doing really well. I think that's a good place to start because it's not intimidating. You're not signing a contract saying this is the way life is going to be, but you're having an, an authentic conversation with either your spouse or if you're single with people that are close to you. And it gives you an opportunity to really evaluate what you're doing and how you can do it better. And we do it in our professional lives. I don't know why we forget to do it in our personal lives. That's a good point. That's a good point. What you wouldn't think of running a successful business without some kind of mission, and and right. uh, and why not do it with within our families as well? Catherine Whitaker is my guest. Her book, "Live Big, Love Bigger: Getting Real with Barbecue, Sweet Tea, and a Whole Lot of Jesus." And we're going to zero in on barbecue and sweet tea, tea, and some more Jesus when we return to the storytellers. CatholicBook.net is your source for all things Catholic. With a large selection of unique items, we are here to serve the Lord by serving you. Visit our local shop in Canton at St. Raphael Books and Gifts, 4365 Fulton Drive Northwest. We are your source for all things Catholic. CatholicBook.net, for 30 years, a commitment to service.
Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome back to this edition of The Storytellers. Catherine Whitaker is my guest. Her book on Ave Maria Press is Live Big, Love Bigger, Getting Real with Barbecue, Sweet Tea, and a Whole Lot of Jesus. Okay, how do you plan a week-long barbecue? I, I, I have a tough enough time squeezing it in on a Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, so what you're referring to in the book is we took, so it took us 10 months. 10 months to visit the top 50 barbecue joints in the state of Texas. So we drove about 2,000 miles and ate a lot of really, really good barbecue. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Although I I have a a couple of friends who have been to every baseball stadium in America. You know, you make it part of your pilgrimage to to do that. Why Why barbecue? Well, so Texas Monthly, which is the magazine here in the state of Texas, every four years we have a barbecue editor. And Daniel Vaughn and his whole crew put together the top 50 joints in the state of Texas. And it's sort of, I mean, it's a cult following in Texas. Barbecue has always been part of our history and our culture here. And so it's really taken off. And so people love barbecue. We are no different. We, my husband and I are both from Texas, love barbecue. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to go to a couple of barbecue places? And then we went to a couple more and a couple more. We're like, maybe we should just go to all, <laughs> maybe we should just go to all 50 take all the kids with us, and we added a little Jesus in there, just some pilgrimage spots in the state of Texas, and ate a lot of brisket and beans and drank a lot of sweet tea along the way. It was worth it. We had an absolute blast. That and, and it is something so memorably different that I that I think the kids will remember that for a lifetime. It's just uh, it's just really an interesting way to do it. Let's uh, zero in on the on the book uh, a little bit. Um, how did you? Um, come about getting you know a lot of people ask authors well how did you come about getting in touch with your story and decide that you know i really need to get this into book form well i think for a long time tony i wanted to write a book but i wanted it for the wrong reason i wanted it for me and i finally for lack of a better word i finally shelved it and said forget it i'm gonna you know mom kids i'm gonna be a wife to my husband volunteer at the school whatever and then just before lent a couple of publishers reached out, and that's when I realized maybe I wanted it for the right reasons. I wanted it for this, and so he and I had a long discussion over the course of Lent. I gave up um, a lot of things, but that was the thing that I really gave up was my hopes and my dreams, and I said, what is it that God hopes, and what does God dream, and what does he want for me? And here we are. And so I think I started with the story of this child, who I mentioned just born premature, and so Luke was really the impetus for me writing some of those things and how we were transformed and changed by it and how it led us to live an intentional life. And along the way, I tried to talk about things that a lot of people struggle with. Not, I mean, obviously prematurity was uh, the big reason why I started writing it, but it's not the whole book. There's a lot of, obviously, barbecue pilgrimages in there, which has nothing to do with the NICU. But I felt like it was time to write a book about things that people were really struggling with and how we really walked through those. And maybe along the way, I could meet some people where they were and help them walk through and develop a longer, a stronger and better relationship with Christ along mm-hmm. the way. Is that part of the reason why the book was important for you to write? Is that you felt you had a message that maybe could help someone? Absolutely. I'm a convert, so I didn't grow up Catholic. So a lot of what I shared in there were some of my misconceptions about the Catholic Church and really how my faith deepened and grew over the course of all those different churches that I was a part of. I'm grateful that I grew up Protestant, and I'm grateful to be Catholic now. 
and I wanted my friends, whether they were Catholic, Jewish, Protestant, or somewhere in between, that they could find something in there that they related with and encourage them to have a stronger relationship. That was really that was really the reason I wrote it, and I felt like no one, Tony, was talking about real things and real ways to walk through things. I felt like it was a lot of fluff. I mean, I felt like it wasn't authentic. It wasn't a real... It wasn't a real conversation, and I was ready to have that. So mm-hmm. I put it all out there. We'll see what God does with it. But I did my part, and it's up to Him. But it was a beautiful joy to write it every last minute. How did writing it change you at all? It, it, did it change you? Did it, did, it, did it cause you to rethink some things? It certainly caused me to admit some things to myself. You know, because when you put them on paper— for me, I mean, when I put it put it out there, I was like, people people besides my mom and my husband are going to read this. But I also felt like if I was going to say some things that I need to be honest with people. And when you're honest with other people, you have to be honest with yourself. You had to fully kind of come to terms and admit what your misgivings were and where your faults were and your imperfections. And so, yeah, that was a lot of self-reflection as I passed through those chapters. But ultimately, I felt good about what I put on paper and what I felt like was important to share. And there are some things that I didn't put because they should stay between me and God or me, my spouse, and God. And But for the most part, I really feel like I put out there what God wanted me to put out there. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, As I told you right at the beginning of the interview, I, I really connect with the authenticity uh, and the, the fact that... Uh, that uh, you know trying to live a great uh, christian life you still struggle and that and that that, that uh it isn't all about uh, you know um being being a saint isn't all isn't all about having all the struggles go away cuz we're all going to face them we're all going to have tough times we're all going you know we're all going to lose a loved one we're all going to have a, a job loss or so, you know something is going to happen in our lives that we're going to have to use our faith to work our way through and i find that very very refreshing what do you think uh, as far as women are concerned because i know the the audience is uh, for your book is broad but i would say mostly uh women would connect with it what makes it easy for them to connect with what you write well some of the things that i talk about in there i think every woman struggles with one of the chapters focuses on body image and that seems to be one of the things that a lot of women struggle with whether they're thin, not thin, or somewhere in between that we always feel like maybe we're not worthy. Our physical appearance decides how worthy we are. Some of the things that I talk in there about are are social media and and the digital influence. And as a mom, sort of helping my kids navigate that, it's tricky and it's hard. And so I guess I wanted women to feel not alone in, in their struggles. I mean, I know we're connected digitally and social media and all that sort of thing, but we're not really... We're not really connected. I mean, it certainly gives you solidarity. It gives you community. But I really wanted, and women tend to be nurturers and relationship doers by just the very nature of who we are and how God designed us to be. So in, in the throughout the book, I really encourage authenticity in your friendships and in your relationships with people in your life, whether that be your children or your spouse or whoever. I felt like that was really important, and I felt like women would connect with that. I, I mean, I felt like if I could believe it, that maybe somebody else could believe it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I put it all on paper. Although my husband read it. He was my first editor. So um, my dad. So there's a few there's a few men out there. Maybe maybe reading it helps them understand the women in their lives better. Mm-hmm. I hope that. I hope there's some men that read it. That would make me um, be very honored if they did and that, that they were able to take something from that and get to know the women in their lives better. 
I know you 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 mentioned uh, briefly there uh, social media and Catherine. I know you blog and I know you have a website and I know you're on you know all of the social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and so forth. Give me an opinion about that. How do you how do you how do you balance the social media part? Not not only for your kids and obviously that's important, but 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 for yourself as well, knowing that you probably need to use social media as an author to just kind of get things out there, but. But how how do you go about balancing uh, the social media aspect uh, with everything else that goes on? That is really tricky. I would say I know when I need to step away, when either I'm comparing myself or I'm feeling super jealous, oh, look what she did, why can't I do this, look like this, accomplish this? That's when I'm like, okay, I need to set the phone down and engage with people in real life. And so on periodically throughout the year, it's not just I think Lent sometimes gets a bad rap because that's when everyone thinks about giving it up. But periodically, I'll just throughout the year, I'm like, I need, I need to walk away or I need to have some radio silence and I need to focus on the people in my life. And I found that when I do that, it helps me obviously come back a little bit less stressed, a little bit more centered and a little bit more balanced. It's, it's really hard. And the hard part, Tony, is having kids who are on social media and we really regulate as they sort of get onto social media what they're allowed to post and how much time they spend on their phones, but that also requires me to look over their phones. So one thing that we did during Lent this year, and I think we're going to continue to do it during Lent, and I'd like to see us incorporate it maybe a few more times throughout the years. On Sundays, we had a complete break from all, all screens, so we couldn't make people work, but we also could not be on any sort of digital device. And it sure felt like Sundays lasted forever, because usually Sundays felt like they lasted a, you know, a blip and we were done. Mm-hmm. But when we took away the screens, we were like, oh my gosh, and what a beautiful reset it was for the rest of the week. So I, I find that we do a little bit less on Sundays than we used to because of that. I, that is, that's a wonderful idea. I know we, uh, and again, my kids are old and gone, and it's just my wife and I, but when I get home at uh, from work, I uh, plug my uh, smartphone in and I don't touch it the rest of the evening, and we just spend our time Bye. together. And so at least from that, you know, six o'clock, Till uh, we go to bed, uh, we're you know we don't we're not there on the ready for any text messages or anything that comes comes our way. It, it is good to get you know to step away from it a little bit, and I think for those parents out there with young kids, just to not to not say they shouldn't be on social media. There's a lot of great things on social media. Your blog's on social media, but it uh, is. yes, it is. But uh, I think you just have to recognize the season that you're in, and recognize that some seasons allow you to plug your phone in at six o'clock. I mean, that's just when things are starting to ramp up at our house. Mm-hmm. But you're in a different season than me, so I think you have to recognize what season you're in and figure out what works, and then know that in a few years you're going to be in a different season and you're going to have to work through it again. Mm-hmm. But I think it's being aware of what the triggers are. Like, I know that when I start comparing myself to other people, I'm like, okay, that's social media. I need to set that aside. So you got to know what your triggers are, and then you got to figure out the antidote to make that go away to focus back on crime. You're not talking about those people that post their dinner every night, right? Or the... <laughs> Well, or them, la- or their to- or their lunch, or so. their toes on the lounge chair at the beach. You know that those pictures. Are, I do. There's several I do of those. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, I may have some of those on my feet, so no judgment, right? No judgment, no judgment, no judgment whatsoever. <laughs> Catherine, this has been a fun half hour, or fun half hour, and I've really, really enjoyed sharing it with you. And, Thank you. and you're, I, I loved your blog. I, I have not yet had a chance to read the book. I've looked through it, and I will spend some time with it this weekend. Uh, so you know, you have besides your husband at least one other guy. Uh, oh, good. Uh, Thank you. I love it. That book. makes me very happy. The book is entitled "Live Big, Love Bigger." Getting Real with Barbecue, Sweet Tea, and a Whole Lot of Jesus. It's published on Ave Maria Press, and it is available where all good Catholic books are sold. Catherine Whitaker, you're a blessing. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Tony. It was a great way to spend my half hour. And that's our show for today. If you missed part of the program, the show will be available immediately at thestorytellersradio.com. And it'll be published later this week at the Catholic podcasting site, breadboxmedia.com. Now, to find out more about my books or to book me for a talk or speaking engagement at your parish or conference, you can go to my website at tonyagnesi.com. My thanks again to Catherine Whitaker for being with us, the author of the book, Live Big love bigger. This is Tony Agnesi inviting you to join me again next time on The Storytellers. God bless you. Enjoyed today's edition of The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi, a production of the Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio. To learn more about today's storyteller, go to thestorytellersradio.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast and hear all of our past shows. And join us again next week at this same time for The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. I hope you've enjoyed listening to some of my podcasts here at Breadbox Media, but today I'm speaking to you about a different opportunity. In September 2020, I'll be leading a fantastic pilgrimage cruise from Rome to the Holy Land, and then on the way back, stopping at the cities of St. Paul, Ephesus, Athens, Corinth, and more. While we're at sea, I'll be lecturing on the Gospels, history, or mystery. When we're on land, I'll invite you to join me as we visit all of the holy sites, celebrating Mass, worshiping together, and having a wonderful time of fellowship. If you'd like to know more about this pilgrimage cruise, go to my website, dwightlongenecker.com. Go to the right sidebar, and you'll see a picture there which invites you to get more information. Go to my website, dwightlongenecker.com, right sidebar, click on the picture of the cruise ship, and you'll get all the information you need. Alternatively, You can call the company that's organizing the tour at 800-247-0017. 800-247-0017. Ask for Farmalong and Ecker's Cruise to the Holy Land. Thanks for listening. Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at kaneford.com.